Sing it out.
rejoicing holy. Holy, holy, holy is that God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Every voice just singing. Lord, will you magnify yourself among us this day? We know your name. We call out your name. We read your word. We recite your promises. But Lord, we desire for you to be manifest in this place, in our hearts this morning. More than anything else, Lord, we desire you. We pray that you will speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Unstop our ears. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. 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 Bless you for taking the time and going to the trouble to get up and drive across town or wherever you live to be with us in this house this morning. And to those of you who are worshiping with us, live streaming wherever you may be or during the course of the week, the playbacks, the, re, the redoing of these services whenever they happen in your life, we're grateful that the Lord has, has arranged that our paths would cross and that we, his sheep, would be fed by his word. Amen. Fed by his word. Not so much what the preacher has to say, it's everything about what the Lord has to say. So we... We want to make much of his word, his, his book. I want to ask you to open your copy of the scripture, uh, your personal Bible. And I know some of you have that all. It's on your phone. But I'm still trying to figure out how to underline something on my phone you know, and write a date out by the side of it. I, if you can do that, more power to you. But there's something about having your own copy of the word, digital or printed otherwise, but that you can make those notations, and when the Lord spoke something fresh to my heart and what it seemed to apply to. Here's where we're headed this morning. When hope finds you. When hope finds you. Now, we're going to have to start way back over here in the New Testament and make a run toward the book of Deuteronomy, and then we're going to wrap it up by coming back into, circle back around to the New Testament. But one way or another, I pray in these next few minutes, we'll have a sense of understanding when hope finds us. A guarantee, a guarantee, a pledge from God that hope will find us. Here, note, note these words in, in Luke chapter 22, the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. It's a familiar section in the scripture. It's, it's about the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper and the things that Jesus said. 
one specific thing that he says is going to be implemented, instituted by what would happen in the Lord's Supper that would be a foreshadowing of what would happen with his life. Now keep in mind now, folks, this is all about hope. This is all about hope. It's all about the hope of God meeting you. Hope in the Scripture means two things. It is, it is part wish. It is part longing. It is part desire. But it is also part expectation that what I'm hoping for, what I'm wishing for, somehow, some way, God is going to bring it to pass. It's a wish, but it's, a, it's an expectation that the Spirit has convinced you of. And we wait for that hope to come into fruition, but that's what this all has to do with. So note, note these words. This is, this is in verse 19, Luke 22, Jesus and the setting of the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper with, with his men. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he said, And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new way of God dealing with people. This is the new way of people coming into relationship with their God. This is the new covenant in my blood. Covenants were ratified by the shedding of blood. The first covenant that Moses brought forth and taught the people about was ratified, was implemented by the sacrifices, the shedding of blood of animals. But here Jesus is saying, it's not the blood of an animal. It's not the blood of a sheep or a goat. This is my blood. My blood ratifying, sealing, setting into motion a new covenant. Where, where was that referenced in the Scripture? Where, where, was, where had that been spoken of? Is there any indication that Jesus is picking up on something that had been prophesied before, and the answer is absolutely. I want you to leave, if you would, Luke chapter 22 and turn to the left several pages, several books, several hundred years to the book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah chapter 31. Those of you who are students of the Word, Bible students and followers of Jesus, and, and you may have come across that, I'm sure you have, New Covenant, uh, perhaps many times in your study of Scripture. What, what does that mean and what does it have reference to? Make, make some kind of a note. Here's where that comes from. Here, it was spoken of in, in the book of Jeremiah by the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31, an extremely significant. 
And again, it's just, it's just covered in hope. Watch, watch how the hope rises as we read. This is chapter 31, book of Jeremiah, verse 31. The prophet writes, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And on their hearts I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The first covenant, the old covenant, the Scripture records, was written by the finger of God on tablets of stone, and the tablets of stone were given to Moses. And Moses came down off of Mount Sinai from the presence of the Lord, holding those tablets of stone, which had the the rules of God, the commandments of God, not to penalize people and punish people, but to show us the best way to live, the right way to live for a society to to function in a peaceable manner and an edifying manner for, for cultures to grow and be built and not destroyed from within. But the old covenant, the rules, the standards, the bar of God, if you will, was written on tablets of stone. The tablets of stone had no life. They were inanimate objects. And the problem with the old covenant was the standards were there, the rules were there, but the ability of human hearts to keep the rules was absent. And so again and again and again, the the standards were made known. The the prophets would declare, here's what God wants. Here's what pleases him. Here's what will keep the blessing of heaven upon your life if you'll continue to live this way. But again and again and again, they couldn't. And guess what? We can't either on our own. Just knowing what is right is not enough to make us do right. Just just knowing even the promises of God, that if if we honor him, he honors us. Just the knowing of that isn't enough to keep us on the path that allows God to bless. It's not enough to have information and instruction and even promises written on tablets of stone. The new covenant was that there was a new place for the commandments of the Lord, for the things that speak of that which bless Him, that honor Him. There would be a new place for those instructions to be written, and the place would be upon the hearts of people. That instead of me having to just go to the Bible or to some written record out there to know what God wants, and and, uh, for me to have uh, something to aim at. What Jesus promised was that there would be a day coming 
that would be implemented, instituted, sealed by his death on the cross in which God himself would literally and actually write into the hearts across the hearts of people what he would want them to do and to be. And as a result of it being written across their hearts, it wouldn't be something that would just be, I ought to do it or I should keep that commandment. It's now that I want to, that I desire to, that the longing in my heart is to please him, that I don't see it as something adverse, adverse to my life choices. It's, it's, it's now what I want. It's what I choose. That's what Jesus would say to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the only thing wrong with you is you just need to be born again, born from above. Here was a man who knew all the rules, who knew all the things that, that the Scripture would state, but not having the ability to keep those things and do those things. And Jesus said to him, what you need is for there to be a new birth that out of heaven there would come to operate inside you a longing, such a change that you wouldn't have to be forced to obey God. You wouldn't have to be threatened with punishment to honor him. You would want to down to your toenails and up to the top hair on the top of your head. You would want to please God. You would desire to run hard after him because he is the joy of your life. That is the new covenant that Jesus speaks of. And it's not that we write it across our hearts. I'll write it, he said, across the tablet of your heart. Folks, listen, there is a massive difference between religion that holds up these standards. Here's what you better do in your marriage. Here's what you better do in your business. Here's what you better do with your kids. Here's what you better do and so forth and so on. You better do, or if you don't, here's punishment. That's religion. It can have a measure of truth in it. It has no power, however. It, 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 conveys, it conveys no ability. It just gives warnings. It just gives truth in a sense. But what we don't necessarily need is more truth. What we need more than anything is more power to observe the truth, to keep the truth. That's what Jesus was saying. I'm not going to leave you helpless I'm not going to leave you hopeless as if living a life that pleases me is going to forever elude you because you're too weak to keep it. I will write across the tablet of your heart the commandments of God. Do you see the difference in the freedom and the joy in that? That he knows if we're going to do something and stay with it, we're going to do it and stay with it because we want to do it. Not because we have to do it, but because we want to do it. And so his design is, by the power of his spirit, to rework our want to so that we get a new want to. Do, do I have a witness on that? That it's the want to. If Jesus knows that you and I are so deeply and desperately engaged and contained by our selfishness, by, by the sins and temptations that can pull us, that if he doesn't change our want to, if he doesn't beef up our want to, we will never lastingly be changed. Religion will say, religion keeps you in condemnation, keeps you in a place of defeat. You better do this, 
and you better quit that. And if you don't do what's right or quit doing what's wrong, you, you, you got hell to pay. Where's the hope in that? If we could fix it ourselves, we'd already fixed it. If we could have quit what we needed to quit, we'd already quit. If we could start what we needed to start, we'd already started. We wouldn't be having this conversation. It's because we can't quit or we can't start. And, and we find ourselves beaten into, a, into just a den of discouragement and dismay until this truth. That there's a new way. There's a brand new way that Jesus said, I want people to understand. I no longer represent a list of standards that is a bar that I know you can't jump over, that you can't meet. I'm coming to make a way for the inside of you, the want to inside of you to be radically transformed so that instead of you having to live for yourself, you can live for that which pleases the Lord because you want to, because you want to, because you want to. Amen. All right, so, so that, that's why we've been saying it and saying it and saying it again. And I felt like the Lord has been pressing me all over again, David, don't let up. Don't, don't, don't move away from this encouraging and pressing to my people. That prayer, that simple prayer, Jesus, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. If I'm going to know what it is for my heart to be transformed, it's not going to be me just trying to copy Jesus because I can't copy him. I can for a little bit, but then somebody cuts in front of me on I-35 and all of a sudden I've lost Jesus and I'm all me. It's not about me copying him. It's about him <laughs> moving in to every molecule of my being and saturating that which is emotional and mental and volitional of my life, filling me with his spirit so that he is just living his life out through me. That is what it means to be filled, under the control of, saturated with the spirit of the living Christ. So this new covenant was manifest. It was demonstrated on the day of Pentecost when Simon Peter stood up to speak but he stood up to speak with boldness instead of cowardice. He stood up to speak, made himself a public entity with a big mouth when before he was trying to run and hide, would deny any relationship with Jesus. I don't even know the man. But all of a sudden, the rushing mighty wind, the tongues of fire fill the room, and the coward with the big mouth Simon Peter, James and John and others, the women in the room, felt that something from heaven, something beyond themselves had come upon them to which Jesus had said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. The work of the Spirit to make his presence known in, his, in, their, in their hearts and for that which the Lord would want them to do, to be written across their heart. It captured them and it propelled them. And the world was shaken and it's never been the same since. The time of that new covenant, that God's new way of dealing with people. I'm not, here's it just in another shorthand way of saying it. It is no longer God saying to man, here is my standard. 
You keep my standard. You obey. If you don't, there are these punishments. It's no longer that. The standards are still in place. The thou shalt nots are still in place. But what's different now through a relationship with Jesus is instead of me not seeing the benefit in honoring the Lord, not seeing, having to make myself do or not do the things that are instructed, the things change, and it may not happen immediately, but many times it does, but it happens over time incrementally and dramatically that my desires change. Some of the stuff I used to think I couldn't live without no longer has a taste. Certain relationships and I thought there's no way I could ever live without that. Some way or another, I'm unshackled. I'm set free from the inside out. It's not an external standard. It is an internal artesian well of freedom, hope, freedom, hope, freedom, hope. This new covenant, this new way, I will write across their hearts my law. Instead of the law being external to them, my law, my wishes, my desires are internal within them, and they want that. They desire that. Folks, listen. If what I'm talking about has never happened to you, but you've been baptized, you've been catechized, you've, you've been in churches all over the place, you've got, you can go back in your legacy, but there really is no sense that your want to has ever been changed, and you're still driven by things that are imprisoning you, that are destroying you, that are, that, are, that are causing you to be something you wish you would never allow yourself to be. But you don't have power to quit. It may be that you've tasted of the Christian religion, but you have never tasted of the Christian transformation. It's not about a standard. It's not about written stuff. It's about being changed on the inside of your heart so that the stuff that you used to have to have that was destroying you, you don't want it anymore. It can be paraded by you. It can be on a billboard somewhere, but you can drive by it like it was the ugliest, most distasteful thing you ever saw in your life. Never pay attention to it. When before it used to own you, Jesus says, how can that be? How can that be? How can that be? It can only be if Jesus is the one who writes that truth and those things across your heart. Lord, write it in my heart. Put it in my heart. The truth of Jesus, the truth of his presence will set the captives free. I'm just, I'm just double-dog daring some of you who, who, who may have never, never imagined such a thing could be true. That all the days of your life, you expect I'm going to be having to battle this temptation and battle this addiction and battle this struggle and battle this relationship. If you stay the way you are with no more outside influence and help, that may be the way it ends up. But what if these words really are true? In the heart of God, the desire of the Lord for you is that you would know his power to rewrite across your heart, removing things that have destroyed, but bringing forth desire, desire, longing for that which is life. He won't put within us desires that kill us. 
He puts within us, he writes within us desires that are life and blessing and joy and a future and hope. Amen. 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 A new covenant. A new covenant. The new covenant means that you want to. You want to. I don't want anybody to miss this. The new covenant means that you want to is being shifted in the direction of that which pleases the Lord. So that you don't do what you do for the Lord. You don't come to church because you have to. You don't read your Bible because you're better. You, you, don't, you don't do things that would serve the Lord because if you don't, he might not bless you. That's over. Those days are done. That's, that's in the past. I'm not doing stuff because I have to. I'm doing what I do because I want to. You can tell me you don't like it. You can tell me that you disagree with it. It ain't going to change you. I've got an appetite. I've got a new appetite. And unless I'm satisfying my appetite in those directions, I remain hungry. Hungry for the things of God. Not feeling like we've been belittled or we've been, we've been ostracized or we're a stepchild because of, of what's going on in our life. We, we love this. We want what he wants. And we desire it from the inside. That, I, I, I just... Um, I just needed to holler that a little while there. Excuse me. I just, just had to holler and flail away at that. Religion will wear you out. Religion will defeat you. Religion in the sense of here are the standards, you better keep them, and you don't have any help keeping them. You just better do it, and if you don't, you're going to get worn out with a belt. No. That's religion. Jesus said, my blood will institute a new covenant meaning that I will, by my spirit, write across the hearts of men and women my desires, and they will, from the inside, begin to want what I want. Okay? So if, we, if the premise is we, we do have help obeying the Lord, when rightly understood, Christ in me, Christ in me is my hope of glory. The Spirit of Christ at work inside me, drawing me into a life that desires to please Him, obey Him. If that's the premise, then I, I want to ask you, dare you, try to convince you to go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want this book in the Bible on my tombstone, when it's my time to glow, time to glow, time to go, that too, that too. Deuteronomy 28 in the first part expresses as clearly as anywhere in the Bible the specific, personal, tangible, practical, measurable ways in which the Lord desires to bless his people in this life. This isn't talking about heaven. This is talking about now and here and on earth and San Antonio or wherever you're sitting this morning. But I want you to notice there is one contingent, that, that there, is, there is one condition that holds back 
or guarantees the blessing of the Lord upon his children. And the one contingent is whether or not the child of God will be obedient to the directions of the Lord. Upon the child who listens, and it will say, it will be be translated obedience, but the word is listen. If you diligently obey, diligently listen, what he's saying, the meaning there is that we haven't really listened to the Lord unless we are also obeying the Lord. That's how he views it. We, We can read it, we can audibly hear it, but in the mind of God, we haven't heard what he said unless we are living out and obeying what he said. Now remember, though, we're coming into this by way of the new covenant. These were standards, these were promises that were made under the old covenant that if you will do these things, if you will honor the Lord, all of these kinds of blessings will come your way. The problem was even the placement of the blessings in front of the people was not a strong enough incentive to keep them obeying the voice of the Lord. Just to know what God might do, what God's heart is to do, was not strong enough to keep them pursuing Him so that the blessings would come in an unabated fashion. But when we read this in the light of where you and I sit this morning, where we've received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, We have embraced the new covenant that is ours through faith in him, and we are trusting that he is in the process of writing his desires across the tablet of our desires so that our our greatest longing is to please the Lord. When we read it that way and we understand that we have help in the place of obedience, then you talk about a whole new world of experiencing and opportunity and practical blessing opening up for the child of God like nothing we've ever imagined before. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I double dog dare you to look at this. Sometimes we treat the Old Testament like we treat the book of Acts in the New Testament. It's like it's a dinosaur. Well, it was then, and that was for those people, and that was way over yonder, and doesn't really have any any opinion to us. Why is it still left in this book? Why are all the books in the Bible still left in the Bible? The Lord's smart enough, strong enough. He could have just come along and had certain books just edited out. But this is in here, child of God. Deuteronomy 28, listing the kinds of blessings and the ways the Lord loves you and wants to bless his people are listed there because he wants us to understand that is his heart to bless. His his heart is not to curse. His heart is not to deprive. His heart is not to bypass. His heart is to bless his children. Where does a mama, where does a mama get it in her heart to want to provide amply and bless greatly her children? Where does a daddy get the heart to want to do whatever it takes to bless his child when we sense that there there is a recognition of responsibility and so forth and so on, but it's, it's deep within us to want to bless, not to want to hurt or deprive. We get that from our Heavenly Father. I just dare you, I just dare you to follow along as I read down through some of this. But let's read it with New Testament eyes. Let's read it with New Covenant understanding that we have help with the obedience We have help by the power of the Spirit meeting the requirement to listen and to diligently keep. All right, let me hush up and start reading. Verse 1, 
Moses writes, Now it shall be, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. So amen. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you for the power of your spirit to help me obey because I ain't an obeyer on my own. I can read, I can say I'm listening, but then I can turn around and something looks a little better, tastes a little better, and I'm on it. Lord, I need you to help me by your spirit, obey, listen, and obey. You see, we got to read it like that, somewhat like that. We got to embrace it in that way. It is by your spirit, Lord, and only by your spirit that I am enabled to keep your commandments, to walk in your ways. And I'm able to do that because you're changing what I want. You're changing the appetites of my soul so that my appetites are wanting to do, are one and the same with that which pleases you. Folks, listen. Did you know Jesus isn't always in the church house? Did you know that we're not going to lock him up inside this sheetrock and this ceiling tile and these doors and leave him here till next Sunday? Do you understand that where you are, he is? Do you understand that when you have a conversation, he's in on that conversation whether we allow him to contribute or not? Do you understand that when there's an opportunity put before you in business or in relationships, professionally or otherwise, that he is right where you are? And he desires for you to know his presence to bless wherever you are, wherever you are. Thank God we've got cushioned pews. Thank the Lord for folks who are in this house. But the Lord is every bit as interested in what's going on in your life, what you need, the choices that would be made, the things that he wants to lead us to do, the opportunities he wants to bring Wednesday of this week as he is concerned Sunday morning of this week. I just... I know that sounds like a broken record to a bunch of you who've been around here for a while, but I, I just, we, we got to quit this thing of keeping a score sheet with God on, on the basis of our church attendance or our dutiful kinds of things that we do in order to prove to him that we're spiritual or that we're whatever. He, he, he doesn't need that. It, it, it doesn't matter how we talk, folks. It doesn't matter whether we don't take his name in vain in here. It's what is our trash talk like when we can be pulled in a direction to want to contribute with the rest of what's going on out there. It is not about how clean we are in the church house. It's whether or not Jesus, the living Christ, is making a difference out there in the rest of the world where the water heats the meets the, Okay? It, it's about that. And this is what this is talking about. There is hope for you to shine as a bright light in the darkest place you can imagine even of your placement maybe at this time in your life. There is power. There is power. Not your attempt to try to copy Jesus, but the power of his spirit filling you so that wherever you are, his light and his life shines out through you. 
That's a tribute to his presence in your life. Folks say, oh, if I could only work in the church. I got all these godless people, all these people around me, and the language is so bad, and the, and the setting is so, so, so decadent. I just want to say, great Scott, the Lord picked you out because he knew he could trust you. And he's planted you in a place where you're by yourself and they're not a Christian, not on a Bible, as far as the eye can see. But he's planted you there because he knows he can trust you to look up to him and trust him. And he knows that you'll be praying, Lord, bless me in this hell hole. Bless me in this Egypt. Bless me in this, in this place where death. Folks, I, I, just, I just need to be someplace where it's easier to serve God. Well, take, take a number behind Joseph in Egypt. Nobody knew where he came from or where he was going, but the power of God was on Joseph, and he stood up above all of his peers because the favor of God was upon him. Daniel is second in line. Take a number behind Daniel. Oh, I just wish everybody prayed more in my church, in my business. I wish everybody went to church. That's what church is for. We, we, we all kind of smell alike, look alike, talk alike. We, but, but light doesn't do any good unless it's out in the darkness. Salt doesn't do a lick of good unless it's out of the salt shaker. So he's taken us out to those places. He's sovereignly planting us in places where there may be no measurable light of the gospel except that which shines through you. Now, now, now hold on to that. Hold on. This, this isn't about moving to some new city. This isn't about being in somebody. This is about right where you are. Here's the Lord's heart. Here's God's heart for right where you are. Not the next person you marry. Not the next job you get, not the next car you drive, right now, right now, right now, right now. Shut up, preacher, and get to reading. Okay. Got to talk to yourself sometime. Let me read verse 1 again. Now, it shall be if you will diligently obey the Lord your God. Remember, we got help. Jeremiah 33. We got, we got the help. He's writing across our heart a desire to obey. If you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. In other words, I have one focus. I have one person to please. I have one passion and longing for my life. And it is that I will be pleasing to him. As, as that is my pursuit, hear, hear the sound of the horses. Hear the sound of the clippity-cloppity, clippity-clop, clippity-clop of the Budweiser horses. Did I just say that, Budweiser horse? Something like that, something like that. Great big old horses. And they're dragging something. They're pulling something. And they're pulling a buck, bucket load, of, 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 a train load of blessings. We can't all the time hear the clippity-clop. But the Word of God says it's happening. You honor me, and I will see to it that the blessings that I desire for you to have will come behind you, come up behind you, and overtake you. Overtake you. Hope will find you. Hope will find you. Hope will find you. The only contingency is 
whether or not I'm choosing to pursue him, to obey him, to honor him. That things we've said for years around here, if I will honor him, he will honor me. You start your day with that business lady, business man, wherever you may be, whatever the situation, student, Lord, I believe, help me to hold on to this. If I will honor you today, you will honor me. You don't have to have a list four pages long of all the things you wish God would bless you with. The Lord knows what will bless you. The Lord knows how to thrill you. The Lord knows how to satisfy you. The Lord knows how to please you deeply. My focus is upon him. And in the things that come before me, I'm seeking to please him with the choices and attitudes and actions of my life. While I'm doing that, he's loading, he's loading the wagon. He's loading the wagon. He's, we don't know when it's going to come, but this is his promise. This is his promise. You can take this out and you can lay your hand on it every day. Lord, I'm believing your word that as I choose to honor you, there will be blessings that you know will bless me, that you know will meet my needs, that you will know, you know will satisfy me. Lord, I leave all of that up to you. I'm not going to try to beat you up with my list of how to bless me. I'm focusing on you, desiring for your name to be praised, for you to be high and lifted up. And then I'm just claiming that, that this is true, that all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, he says, if you will obey the Lord your God. All right? So then look what he starts to listen. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Now that word blessed, blessed means a blessing, a good thing, a benefit, a favor. It means that which constitutes a good, happy, blessed man or woman. Blessed shall you be. The favor of the Lord, the kindness of the Lord, that which would cause you to walk in happiness, that which would cause you to walk in joy. Blessed shall be Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beasts, and the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. We said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not raising cattle, and I'm not sharing sheep. Well, just keep looking. You'll be picked up in here somewhere. Great Scott. Not, not everything in the Scripture is supposed to apply to us in our, in our circumstances of the day. But here's what it is saying, I believe. You run a business. You got people working for you. You trying to, trying to deal retail. You trying to deal sales. You trying to deal whatever. The Lord is saying, I know how to bless businesses. I know how to cause increase where there has been lack, where there has been shrinkage, where there has been depri deprivation. You obey me and you watch my hand a blessing upon that which your hands find to do. Don't leave him in the church. Don't lock Jesus up in here. You, you, you make sure that you're taking him with you every phone call, every cold call, 
every mean call, every all the other kind of calls, all that other stuff that's going on, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm looking to you. I want to obey you. And I'm asking you to bless me with that which you know is a blessing from your heart. It continues on. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. All right? Now, what he's saying there is this isn't meaning that everybody's going to like you and all your kids and your dog and your cat and your choice of automobile. There's no guarantee that there won't be conflicts. But what he's saying is, listen, what he's saying, church, is this. You seek to honor me, and I'll fight for you. You you represent me, and I will represent you. You stand for me, and I will stand for you. It's because you're standing for me that I will stand for you. I said this in the earlier service, and I guess it bears repeating again because I'm thinking about it again. When it it comes time to be prayed for, and there may be some things that that are challenging, even opposing, difficult in nature, uncomfortable in nature, you know, I try to be nice to folks that I know hadn't been in the thick of nothing. I mean, they're nice, sweet folks, and they know the Bible, and they know the Psalms, but they hadn't ever really been hung out to dry. They hadn't ever really gone through something that taxed them to the depth of their soul. If I had to have someone pray for me, I welcome the prayers, but I want somebody, my daddy used to call them the war horses. The war horses. They've been in battles. They've been shot at. They got an arrow or two sticking out the backside and got some sword cut around the neck. But they're as on fire. They are as confident that the Lord wins and God is good. And no matter what's happened down here, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Well, listen, I, I won't let pro talk to me. Pray over me. Lay everything you got on top of my head right there and pray that kind of blessing on me. Somebody who knows the enemy came at me one way. He stayed in that position for days, years, months, decades. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord told the devil in my life for me this far and no further. And he routed the enemy. He turned him back. This, this sissified Christianity, this baby American Christianity, well, I can just name it and I can just claim it and I can just rebuke it and it's gone and if you don't do that, you're not really walking with God. Hello. Read the Apostle Paul. Read 2 Corinthians 12. I asked the Lord three times, he said, for this thorn in the flesh to get off of me. I asked him once and he didn't say anything. I asked him a second time, and I still didn't hear anything. This is Paul, writer of two-thirds of your New Testament. The third time, 
The third time, the battle's still arrayed against me, medically, physically, whatever it was. And the Lord said, here's what I want you to know. My grace is sufficient for you. My holding you, my strengthening you, my comforting you is enough, Paul. And what you're going to understand is that my power is being seen in your weakness. That as you're weak, I'm strong. And Paul, it's like he said, you read it. Oh, I get it. I got it. I'm not asking. I'm not asking for that to be changed. I'm just, I want the power of Christ to rest on me. That the enemy can't have his way. He will not be able to take me to hell. He'll not be able to destroy me utterly because the power of Christ is resting upon me and working in my life. So he said, here's what I've changed over to. I quit praying for that thorn to be removed. I've just started being blessed and being grateful for the insults, the mean things, the things that are going on. But what I'm understanding is that 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 contributes to makes me feel weak has the reverse effect. As I'm feeling weak, I'm feeling strong because it's not my strength. It's the power of Christ. I know I can't keep going on unless he gives me the strength. So whatever keeps me in that place of weakness and dependency upon him, hallelujah, bring it, Lord, bring it, because I want to know your power flowing through me. And so he went from one place to another to another, run out of town on a rail, beaten beyond recognition, thought he had died two or three times in a sense, shipwrecked, floating around on the ocean, hanging on to a piece of wood. But when I'm weak, Jesus is strong. And Paul would say, as he ends his life, an extreme expression of suffering for the cause of Christ. But he would say, at one point, no one stood with me. All deserted me. But then he says, but the Lord stood with me. And he strengthened me. And he strengthened me to finish, to bring to completion the mission that I had. He delivered me out of the lion's mouth and he will deliver me yet again and take me home safely to my heavenly kingdom with him. I, I, just, I just think this is so full of hope that even when the enemy arrays his forces against you and they have an implemented battle plan and they're refusing to negotiate, refusing to budge. They don't, they're not responding to strength. They're responding to what appears to be your weakness. And so they stay there. The promise is the Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come against you one way, and they shall flee before you seven ways. And then you got a testimony. Then you got something to say. Then you got other folk. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they loved their lives not even unto death. You have something to say at that point that can be used to discourage and even defeat the enemy's attacks in other people's lives. Because you're able to say to them, he came out against me. I was not able to oppose it on my own strength. But it was the Lord who rebuked. It was the Lord who delivered. Amen. Amen. I, I don't know why that means a lot. I guess I may have known a few seasons of conflict here and there over, over the years, and, and, and that's just a powerful and precious verse. It doesn't mean there won't be conflict, 
But it does mean there will flat be an end to the conflict. And it won't be because you're so smart or somebody you called in is so powerful. It'll be because the Lord himself rose up because his favor is upon you and he defended you. He stood up for you. He fought for you and he stopped and he scattered. He caused the enemy to flee. All right. Verse 8. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And understand, this land, this land was going to be occupied by pagans, by ones who offered up child sacrifice to their pagan gods. It, 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 was, not, it was not a clean and already domesticated place. It would have to be cleansed. It would have to be cleared. New leadership would have to be implemented and a new government would have to be implemented. But it's in that place, in that land, that he says, in all that you put your hand to, he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. I just want to say to you, stop whining about where you work. Stop complaining, God, if you really love me, you'd put me somewhere else. This truth will set you free. This truth will set you free of those lies. The Lord promises to bless you in the place where he has placed you. The whole company may be godless. The whole corporate structure may be pagan. His favor is not on the corporation His favor is not upon the company. His favor rests upon his child. Stop believing the lie of the enemy that because this company is perverted, this company is godless, that nobody carries a Bible in their desk, nobody wears a James Avery jewelry, nobody, forget all that. Forget all that. Stop looking for telltale signs of people who smell like you do. And can talk like you do. Just understand that the Lord has placed you there. And his desire is to bless you in that place. To bless you with his favor. To bless you with breakthroughs. To bless you with wisdom. To bless you with insight. To bless you with the ability to solve problems. Nobody else has been able to. As a result of that, you will be recognized. You will be noted as someone upon whom there is some kind of unusual favor or ability. They come to you saying, well, what is that? And you have a chance to say it. It may take a while, but it's amazing how this is true when we open our hearts to it. He will bless you in all that you put your hand to. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Stop agreeing with Satan that I'm just here and I'm thrown out and I don't count and I can't do any good. I've told this story before without much detail, and I can't do much detail, but I, I remember men, businessmen, young men, a part of some kind of corporate, even in the city, and they would come to me saying, Pastor, it's so dark. We're getting new age stuff forced upon us about how to solve problems and how to do meditation and all that stuff. And, and it's just so contrary 
to what we believe, what we know is true. And our conclusion was, you stay right there. Don't you put out a resume. Don't you start trying to figure out how to give. God is going to bring light into that dark place. You link your shield of faith. You link your heart up with just one other brother in the place. And you begin to pray. And you pray for the kingdom of Jesus to come on that company. That the light of God would shine on this. That the shackles of Satan would be broken. And that the freedom of the gospel would come. I'm telling you, it's been about 20 years since that. That company, if I call the name of that company, they are, they are almost publicly pronouncing Jesus Christ is king. That there is a Bible. That, that we need to honor that which honors the Lord. They're not going to do that in written statements, but I'm telling you, there is freedom. There's freedom to praise. There's freedom to pray. And the company is prospering and doing amazingly well in a difficult business setting. But, but those couple of guys felt like some of you feel right now. Why am I here? What good is it? I'm so overpowered by the darkness and so forth. The Lord has you there because he tends to bless you. And as he blesses you, there may be spillover blessings where the company gets blessed. But don't wait for the company to be blessed for you to believe that the Lord can bless you in the land where he's placed you. Don't be a sissy Christian. Don't be a baby. Don't give up. You hunker down and having done everything, you stand firm. You get that shield of faith, you put that helmet on you, and you lay hold of the promises of God and say, Lord, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what you have in mind, but I'm asking you to bless me right here. Somebody needed that. I don't know who. It might have been. Well, I need to read you this. During our last service, a Facebook post came in saying the following. I'm not going to give the name. This is a hairdresser. She listens to our 9 o'clock service, and then she goes to work. Here's her prayer. Every head of hair I touch today, please bless me. Bless each client. Let them see my light. If they are sick, heal them. If they are hurting, comfort them. If they need love, let them feel you through me. Amen. She posted that and went off to work. Bless her, Lord. Bless her. Now, if you work with the public and you cut the hair of the public and you do whatever you do with the public, you realize it's some days chickens and some days feathers. Some days it's easy, some days it's hard. But that doesn't make any difference in the mind of God. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. And his desire is to bless you right where you are, in the middle of wherever you are. And he goes on to say, verse 11, And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the offspring of your body, in the offspring of your beast, in the, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open up the good storehouse, the, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. 
And you shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. And you only shall be above, and you shall not be underneath. If you will listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. You say, well, I work for the man. I work for a company. I have no aspiration to be the head of a company or a corporation. But just because you don't, you don't have that title on your desk or on your door <laughs> doesn't mean that in the realm of spirit things, the Lord has established you in that place and he has caused you to be, in a sense, head over that which is debauchery and that which is weakness and sin and of Satan below. It's amazing when a person will stay in a place, assigned in a place, just like Daniel did, just like Joseph, that when the time of great need came, Daniel was sought out as someone who could understand and interpret dreams. Pharaoh himself with Joseph, Nebuchadnezzar himself with Daniel, sought out someone who was under their authority. But in the sense of spiritual things, Daniel was a spiritual head. Joseph was a spiritual head, though he was under, in a physical sense, those magistrates. And God used Daniel and God used Joseph just like he can use you. He can give you insights that nobody else in the company has ever thought of. He can give you the ability to solve problems between people who've been at each other's throats. When they're working together well, things go great. But when they're at each other's like the whole place can fall down. God can give you the ability to sort those things out, to not accept that it has to be that way. Lord, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? Show me. And I'm telling you, he can show you. He can give you the ability to understand things and work through things and solve problems and dream dreams and execute visions that nobody else has. And folks will be saying, where did you get that? And you'll be able to say, let me tell you just one place. If you're looking at me, it's not in me. But if you look into the God whom I look to and whom I trust, it's in him. That's why he has you there. That's why he puts you there. Don't, don't sell yourself short. Don't ever say, well, I'm just, a, you know, I'm just this or I'm not that. Quit that. Quit that. Quit talking to the devil with friend, friendly terms. You're where he puts you because the Lord wants you to be there. And when you're praying and expecting the Lord's blessing to rest upon your life, anything can happen. Anything can happen. His heart is to bless. I'm, I'm going I'm to stop there, but I really want to encourage you to work your way down through that Deuteronomy 28 section. Now, now here, he's, okay, so, so he, he, the deal, Pastor, about this, you know, and so much of it can be about financial prosperity. That, that can be one dimension of it. One dimension of it, absolutely. But there will be other places and other deeper places and further places where the Lord knows how to thrill you and do for you that will have not one thing to do with a nickel or a dime or a dollar, causing your soul to prosper. But I, I just, I got to say this too. Sometimes you get to thinking, well, all rich people are carnal, or all rich people, all folks who have means, they, they're just, they're like those ones that are not going to get into the kingdom because they, they're too fat to get to the kingdom. Got to be in a... You know, you, you can love Jesus just as much with a lot of money as you can love Jesus with no money. He's no respecter of persons. 
But here's what we can do. We can restrict, we can hinder the Lord's freedom to bless us even financially, economically. If we refuse to follow what he says or commandments that will release his blessing. That, that, that promise varies specifically out of, out of the book of Leviticus 2730. All the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. A tithe, a 10% of every stream of revenue is the Lord's. In his eyes, it's holy under the Lord. <laughs> well, I made that money. Okay, dude. I, I, I made that money. Okay, go for it without any breath. Go for it without any lungs that work. Go for it without any hands that can do what you do. It's amazing he doesn't require 99.9%. He says, the first 10% is holy unto me. It belongs to me. And, and so if, if we're wanting all of the, you know, the, 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 the seed crops to be blessed and the cattle to be blessed and all the everything working our hands to be blessed, then we have to take into account what the commandments are that are contingent upon that. If you want him to bless you financially, honor him financially. You say, well, it's just too complicated. I just can't figure it out. Well, he does the math. If you're afraid you're going to miss it low, miss it high. Give him more. Give back to him an abundance. Maybe just take a whole commission check and just hand it to the Lord. Give, give it to his work. That was Acts. That there are seasons when that may be required. But I'm just saying to you, folks, listen. If we, want, if we want the reins of heaven to be on what we do and what we're doing, then the spirit of the Lord inside us is going to create a generosity, not a chintziness. You, you don't see the filling of the spirit with somebody who's just doing this. Looks like Smeagol. You know, my precious, my precious. Holding on to that last dime, that last dollar, that last nickel. Precious. The filling of the Spirit. Lord, whatever I have, you gave it to me in the first place. I wouldn't be able to enjoy a bite of food, wouldn't be able to put on a boot on my foot. I wouldn't be able to drive a mile in my car if it hadn't come from you. So, Lord, if you... I'll give you the first 10%, not grudgingly. I'll do the math. I'll figure it out. And I'll give it to you not because I have to and I'm mad about it because it blesses my heart to know that I'm doing something that pleases you. Out of all that there is in heaven, you would take notice of this microscopic little spot in the universe where I live and my check and what you're blessing me with. And Lord, with great joy in my heart, I give it back to you. And if you want more, it's all yours anyway. You know, I, I just, I just says, it, 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 it's, it's a real simple, it's very cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. Honor him and he will honor you. Honor him in the area where you need his honoring, his blessing most, or at the, at, at the present time, the greatest, honor him specifically there. And in time, he will honor you. 
The good news is, the hope news is, we've got help with that. Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. And there begins to be this further intensifying desire that, Lord, whatever you want that pleases you, I'm all in. My joy is to honor you, is to serve you. May we live that way. Not worried about the bar that we can't jump over, but concerned most about, Lord, fill me with your spirit so that written across my heart is the desire to please you. And I'm going for it. You spend all your time condemning yourself about the things that you hadn't done right, trying to beat the flesh out of you, trying to beat certain temptations out of you and certain desires, you're going to end up being a tired and mean, cranky old person because the flesh can never defeat the flesh. If we spend all our time trying to beat down the bad things, we don't have any energy to believe God for the good things. I'm just telling you, you make your focus, Jesus, fill me, Jesus, fill me, Jesus, fill me. And Romans 8 says, if by means of the Spirit we're putting to death the deeds of the flesh, we'll live. It's not us concentrating on getting this out of my life. Quit thinking that it's, Lord, fill me. Only the Spirit can put to death the deeds of the flesh. Let him do it. I better quit now. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity with the brothers and sisters. Feed your sheep, Lord. Please help, help us to forget the things that, that I got off into that didn't necessarily need to be a part of what we talked about today. I hope there weren't many of those, but there could have been. But help us to remember the things that you're saying, that you're, you're sending with lightning bolts of truth and fire to our hearts. Let us be changed by the power of your word and set free by the work of your spirit. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.